0: Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. We will only go where no man has gone before. Engage. Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc
1: Picard.
0: Captain Jane Captain Janeway. Captain Sisko. Red Full Photon torpedoes, fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets.
1: This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir.
2: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm Jordan Hoffman, your host you can tweet at me at at j Hoffman you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast you can email me I'm easy to find on email and you can like and subscribe us on iTunes there did I get it all out of the way early I got it all out of the way early good now I can't forget and they can't yell at me later Um, Although I have been getting a lot of feedback. I've been getting a lot of feedback from listeners, especially after the Las Vegas convention where we had a lot of nightly recaps. Mostly positive. Thank you for your positive feedback. And your negative feedback is, uh, is hilarious, too. There was one guy who was very upset that we spent an episode talking about feminism because my guests were the Women at Warp, a feminist podcast. So, yeah, real dumb talking about feminism with with a bunch of feminists. Why would I do that? Also, the same uh, listener was annoyed that I talked about uh, LGBT issues with Nana Visitor, even though she had spent the night before as the guest of honor at an LGBT event. So, yeah, why talk to her about that issue either? Gee whiz. Okay, so that guy um, says he's no longer listening to the show. So if somebody sees him... Tell him that he's a putz. But everyone else is great, and we're happy to have you. And uh, we're going to have more from the Vegas uh, convention uh, real, real soon. But before we do, wanted to talk to you about exciting updates in the world of Star Trek. Since the last time we spoke, uh, there was the big TCA event out in Los Angeles. The TCA stands for Television Something... Association, <laughs> or something. <laughs> Actually, I don't know what the A stands for either. It's a big press press event for television. Television correspondence... Some big TV thing, when all the channels get together and they yap about the new shows. So CBS was there, and then CBS All Access was there, the CBS of the future, which means Brian Fuller was there talking about Star Trek Discovery, which has yet to even begin shooting. It begins shooting very soon. They have yet to even announce the cast. But he was there to give a few little tidbits of information about the show and a lot of it we knew 13 episodes, one arc although he did mention that each individual show will feel like a contained show, but he gave us a little more insight into uh, when it was set although he was annoying about it he he didn't say exactly when he said the show was set 10 years before the 5 year mission of the original series, which yeah, I have a little bit mixed feelings i I mean i I, if if this were all up to me if i were in charge of everything if brian fuller was was uh if he was my direct report or you know if i was his direct report i'd say "Uh, mr fuller um it would be kind of cool if the show took place you know after spock went through uh the the big black hole in trek 09 that's my personal opinion but hey you know, I'm not in charge because everything else that Fuller's got lined up sounds pretty cool. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the writing staff. You know, let, you know the the names of the people involved. We keep saying Brian Fuller, Brian Fuller. It's not just Brian Fuller. It's Joe Minoski and uh, you know Nick Meyer and and a few other people too. Kristen Byer. I'm going to pull up Joe Minoski's page for example. Joe Minoski has written fi- written or co-written. Fifty-six Star Trek episodes, right? Um, among them, and this is just this is just tip of the iceberg. From Next Generation, he wrote First Contact, the episode, not the movie. Uh, Darmok, which is you know enough Darmok right there is all you need. Uh, Time's Arrow, the chase. Well, he also co-wrote Masks, but well, he can't have everything. From DS Nine, he did some of the early stuff, Dramatis Personae distant voices from voyager he did the thaw scorpion year of hell timeless equinox which i love blink of an eye which is incredible and 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 many many more so this is this is a heavy duty guy you want on the show um also uh in, in the writer's room as they say is uh kirsten Buyer, which i'm I'm humiliated to admit I have not read her, her novels, and I know that they're wonderful. I bought the first two. In fact, in the interview today, you're going to hear me talk about Kristen Beyer with Dayton Ward. So I'll, I'll leave that alone. But, but in the time that I recorded the interview with Dayton Ward and right now, I now have two of Kirsten Beyer's uh, Voyager, um, Voyager Season 8, as I like to call it, uh, books on my shelf, um, Full Circle and Unworthy. And it is I who is unworthy because I haven't read Kirsten Byers' stuff yet. Um, Nick Meyer, we know Star Trek Two, Star Trek Four, Star Trek Six. Forget about it. And um, another fella involved in the new show, I'm not as familiar with his work, but his name is Jesse Alexander. He was a producer on Hannibal. Uh, he wrote a lot um, of Heroes. Uh, he was associated with Bad Robot. Because keep in mind, there's still some. It's Brian Fuller's show, but. You know, so the Alex, um, oh, what the heck is his name? How soon we forget. Kurtzman. Is it Alex Kurtzman or Alec? Alex Kurtzman is, uh, is, you know, involved as well. And that's, you know, there's a little bit of bad robot in the stew. And um, not in any official capacity. But anyway, so this guy, Jesse Alexander, was an alias producer way back in the day. And he wrote the script to Eight-Legged Freaks. Remember that movie? The movie was terrific. So these are the people involved. So, yeah, I I trust these people enormously. So if they sat down and decided that they wanted to make their new project 10 years before the five-year mission, post-Enterprise, then that's cool. Then I dig it, you know? And if uh, allegedly no familiar faces in season one, but season two familiar faces, if Dr. Phlox is going to show up? What's Doctor Flock been up to? It's you know he's probably still alive. The uh, noblians who know who knows how long they live, so I'm down with that. Um, and other things he talked about at the TCAs were, um, as as suspected, a female lead, uh, which is dynamite. But 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 of a new twist. Not the captain. The lead of the show is, and the quote is, a lieutenant commander with some caveats. I don't quite know what that means. Uh, Maybe she gets demoted. Maybe she gets promoted. Maybe she gets stricken and tossed out of Starfleet due to some crazy event. Who the heck knows? But a human female uh, will be the lead and and not the captain. So who knows who the captain's going to be? If there's even a captain. Um, Also, Fuller confirmed what was already suspected. There will be a gay character on the show. And there will also be many, many aliens. In fact, he even tweeted a picture of... uh, some makeup tests that involved some very lengthy antennae, uh, antenna, antennae, antenna. Uh, longer than um, typical Andorian antenna. So uh, you know, who knows what that is? Uh, I hope you're following. You know, you follow Fuller on Twitter and whatnot. He doesn't. He's not that active, but he's active enough that you should be following him. Um, and also robots. He said there'll be robots. Good, not in, not androids, but robots was the word. But the weird thing is, when the heck is this story taking place? Well, it's not, I mean, he could just say ten years before the, the five year mission, and that's fine. But then he said, and this is the quote: I have it right here. There's an incident, an event in Star Trek history, in the history of Starfleet that has been had been talked about, but never fully explored. Uh, we're telling that story through a character who's on a journey that is going to teach her how to get along with others in the galaxy. And I don't, speci- I don't know what specifically he's talking about. I mean, it, it if there's a specific event ten years before. I mean, there was, you know, general, general goings on with the Klingons, right? Later there was what was called the Four Years War, and I don't know if that's exactly at the time and it's too late for the battle of axenar which would have been hilarious for a bunch of reasons but fuller some people called out at this event and started sort of guessing they said is it the Kobayashi maru which of course it is not because that would have been way earlier and he said no and then somebody said is it the battle of axenar and he said no and uh, there were a couple other things shouted out and 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 he said no so 10 years beforehand um, god only knows i mean but i believe and somebody can correct me if i'm I'm wrong but 10 years before the five-year mission the enterprises is is floating around and pike is at the helm and spock with the different eyebrows is there shouting number one is there i don't i don't there was some talk that maybe the lead of this new show is going to be number one but which would be interesting because the new book series legacies which is uh, a victory lap for the fiftieth anniversary, which you're going to hear about again with uh, with uh, Dayton Ward um, in this in today's episode uh, has a lot of um, number one in it. Number one is the star, actually, uh, but so I don't think it's number one. Number one, of course, for for those who are blanking, was the character that Major Barrett played in the Cage, the the original pilot, which was then repackaged into the Menagerie, and uh, she's awesome. She's a great character. She's a second in command. She's kind of like this uh, stiff upper lip gal who, um, you know, for its time, was way ahead of its time and she's, where you know, has her great hair and just a wonderful character. Really, really cool. Uh, so, and has... You know, and the joke is that you never know her real name, and but she's popped up a lot in 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 uh, Star Trek uh, uh, fiction over the years. And uh, John Byrne did a great comic uh, series called uh, Star Trek Crew, which was all about Number One's rise through the ranks, and uh, you know, and then she pops up in some of Peter David's uh, stuff, and and uh, it's great stuff. Anyway, so that's Number One, and. Um, when does this take place? Well, I don't know. So the enterprise is out there. I obviously the discovery is the name of the ship that's that's gonna be on our show. Um, and Kirk is on the Farragut, right? And you know, the, the, they run afoul. If you remember the episode Obsession, they get attacked by a sickly sweet cloud. Um, it's not you know, maybe we'll hear about that, you know, I don't know. I, I doubt that they're gonna have too many Easter eggs for hardcore fans at the beginning. I doubt we're going to hear so much about, uh, oh, news reports from the Farragut. They've been attacked by a sickly sweet cloud. I don't think that's their style. Maybe that's a season two move, or maybe that's uh, (laughs) who knows? Who the heck knows? Anyway, it's a lot of fun to speculate. We're going to know more about the show soon. You know, They're going to start shooting in September, so expect to hear more in October. Uh, I don't know when they're going to announce the cast. I mean, they can't keep that secret forever. Uh, they're, 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 they're shooting very soon. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to, to pick this all apart. And we're going to be doing it all the time here on the show. Whenever there's any new news, we're going to be discussing it. Uh, obviously, we want to try and get uh, people involved in the show on this podcast as much as possible. And I think that we'll have some success in making that happen. And obviously, when the show is finally air, when we actually get to see the damn thing, we hope this will be your first your first port of call to engage in conversation. But that's all in the future. Let's talk about what happened two weeks ago in Vegas. We've still got some interviews that I wanna share with you. Uh, Last week's episode, we uh, spoke with Nana Visitor, which was a lot of fun, and we spoke with uh, a woman by the name of Ashley Rudder, who was the lead um, designer for Mac Cosmetics that has those really cool Star Trek cosmetics coming out soon. This week, we're going to talk with three people, two interviews. The first interview, uh, not much I need to do in build-up. We spoke to Malcolm Reed and Trip Tucker. We talked to Dominic Keating and Connor Trenier. They were at the convention all week. They were very visible. They were <laughs> they were doing Klingon karaoke, for God's sakes. Uh and having a good time chatting it up right there in the vendor room they just they just kind of parked themselves and you know whoever wants to talk to those two guys can so i pulled them aside um after they'd come back from lunch where they had a bit uh, they had a cocktail or two it being las vegas uh and we had a fun chat with with those two guys and then um i don't think it was the same day i think it may have been later um i had Oh shoot, this is the wrong week. Oh man. Oh boy. Did I just lie to you? Yeah, I just did. All right. Well, you know, I like to um I like to keep it real on um on Engage the Official Star Trek Podcast. Connor and Dominic is next week. <laughs> cuz I'm trying to I'm trying to put these in like kind of theme. You know, cuz last week's with Ashley Rudder and um the Na Visitor. There was sort of a theme because they both talk, talked about inclusion and diversity, which I thought was, and just sort of happened that way. So, so that became a theme. This week's theme is more about uh, science-y stuff, um, and so I just fibbed. Connor and Dominic is next week, so just there's nothing. There's no there's no late breaking news in my conversation with Connor and Dominic. So you can you can hold hold on for a week. This week is Robert Picardo and Dayton Ward. Okay, now the reason why I put the two together is that Dayton Ward writes... uh, Star Trek fiction, and also fun books. He wrote the, the 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 tourism book for Vulcan, which just came out, which is hilarious. And Dayton Ward has written like 25 Star Trek books. He's part of the Legacies series. You're going to hear all about that. He's written the Vanguard series. He writes the current TNG series. He's a hardcore deep mythos. And he also, we talked a little bit about, um, and how we got on the topic is weird, but we talked a little bit about uh, cyber terrorism because he comes from a background that an IT background. Uh, imagine that a Star Trek uh, fan who was in in IT, um, but. Uh, and then, so that's the second part of the show. Uh, the first part of the show is going to be uh, Robert Picardo, Bob Picardo, the Doctor, the EMH, whom we love, and he was at the convention at the booth for the Planetary Society, which is a fantastic group that he's going to tell you more about than I can. That was founded by Carl Sagan, and he's on the board. It's like Bill Nye, the science guy, is the main dude. And then the you know the council of 12 beneath Bill Nye includes um, Bob Picardo, who we love. Uh, and he's a great guest. I've met him before, and he's wonderful. So uh, I will then shut up, because if I continue talking, I'll probably make more mistakes. But I will shut up, and I'm going to let Las Vegas take it away. Uh, first, we'll hear Bob Picardo, and then we'll hear Dayton Ward on Engage the official Star Trek podcast.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business,
0: sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize.
2: So we are now in the thick, in the thrush of the Star Trek Convention, Las Vegas, 2016, the 50th anniversary convention. That is right. This is no joke of a convention.
0: Well, and I mean, it's, it's it's. I mean, some would call it a joke, but we don't call it a joke <laughs> because we are the
2: faithful. And I'm here with. Bo- I can call you Bob, right? You can call me Bob. I'm here with Bob Picardo, uh, and uh, he is. We're not up in an in in ivory tower right now. We're down here with the people. We're we in- down here with the people. We're in the conga room at the Rio Hotel,
0: and we're sitting at the Planetary Society table. The Planetary Society is a nonprofit that I'm on the board of directors, along with Bill Nye, the science guy. We'll talk about it later, but I just wanted to so you could paint the picture of right. where we're sitting now with Star Trek fans uh, milling about.
2: Yeah, and we're at a little table, and across the way, there's a guy selling posters. There's somebody selling action figures. Somebody is selling uh, a uh, like a mask of Odo's head. Uh, is that Odo or is that, that Quark? Uh, Quark is there, but maybe from your angle, you can't oh, I can see. see Odo. There's Quark, Quark and, Odo. and there's
0: Odo. Well, if you're going to sell rubber heads, those are two Those are
2: high up on your list. <laughs> it would stand to reason that somewhere in there is a doctor figurine. Uh, there's probably a doctor. If there's not a doctor rubber head that I'm aware of. I believe I have the only one, and I'm, I'm sporting <laughs> it right now. <laughs> That's good. I want to very quickly about the fir- tell you the first time that, that you and I crossed paths. Mm-hmm. Not memorable to you, but memorable to me. Oh, this don't was, say that. This was two years ago in London. Right. Doing the convention, and I eventually did get to meet you and talk with you. And we were on stage together, but I was doing one of the One Track Mind panels. And what we were doing was <clears throat> we were um, pasting together what we thought with the fans, what, what the ultimate crew would be who would be the best first officer, who would be the best engineer, is it Mm -hmm. Bellana Torres, is it Geordi, is it Scotty? And then we got to the best doctor. Oh my God. And so people were debating and there was a uh, a hearty, Well, with the British at first, they were kind of quiet. And and here in Vegas, people start shouting immediately. That's the American way. But in Britain, they were a little more subdued at first, but eventually we drew it out of them and people started shouting. There were some people who really loved Dr. Bashir and some people who really loved uh, Bones McCoy. And it was between those two and people were really fighting. And then you walk by, this is sort of in an open space, in the center of the uh, Excel Center, which is a large convention center in London. And there's just a voice, and just from the back, we hear, are you kidding me? The doctor is the best doctor! (laughs) And everybody turns around, and then you left. It was my voice? I did that? It was you, you shouted this. I hate being my only partisan. (laughs) Wait, wait, so you shouted and then you left to to thunderous applause, but it had a great effect, and ultimately you were voted in. I was? Yes, because they were like, well, he makes a good point. He makes a good case. I love it when you (laughs) beg and it pays
0: off. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So you you mentioned the difference uh, between uh, British fans being so quiet and and other Star Trek fans. I used to do uh, an impression of a, of a, uh, a British Star Trek fan. In line with a German fan right yeah. after him when we go to an international convention, because the British fans you have to lean into them and say, "Would you mind terribly uh, if I took a photo?" And I say, "Excuse me." I said, "Would you mind terribly?" Tele- I'm sorry, kid. Could- Would you mind terribly if I... T- oh, oh, a photo, of course. And then the German fan after comes up and goes, "Photo, stand, smile." You know. So there's a uh, it. You, I noticed you, you winced when I said that that loud. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, uh, I just Jordan, have headphones on. Yeah, so he's it's, wearing it's, headphones, so I just... <laughs> I, I, the, my interviewer now has blood streaming <laughs> from his ears. I'm
2: so sorry I did that. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. My ear my eardrums have popped. So um, Well, that's good, because, you know, Star Trek em- embraces a diversity of, of everything, including the way people wait online and ask for pictures. Exactly, and including the <laughs> volume with which they ask for it. <laughs> right, right, right. So... Um, I got So let's talk about the Planetary Society because Bill Nye, a man that I admire a great deal, he and his bow tie are right behind us. <laughs> yeah, they're um, looming over yeah, us. Yeah, there there's a is. giant picture of Bill Nye. So if I didn't, let's say, let's do some role playing here, Bob. Pretend I'm a schmuck who doesn't know anything about the Planetary Society. All right. Uh, the Planetary <laughs> Society is uh, the
0: oldest, and in my opinion, the most admired, space advocacy nonprofit. It was co-founded by Carl Sagan and two... Uh, 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 two colleagues from uh, JPL at the time um, Bruce, Mary, and Lewis Friedman 36 years ago. Presently our CEO is the wonderful Bill Nye, the science guy we have uh, an extraordinary board of which uh, I have uh, been asked to join about a year ago. I was on the advisory board mm. for years with a couple of hacks you may have heard of like Buzz Aldrin and
2: <laughs> you know, uh,
0: James Cameron and different people yeah, on yeah. the advisory board but now I'm on the board board and uh, as part of uh, my idea for outreach for uh, outreach for engaging science fiction fans, I thought it would be cool if I did a monthly video newsletter, mm. which I launched in mid-February. It's called the Planetary Post. It's actually a video portion embedded in a regular uh, newsletter that is that you can subscribe to for free by going to uh, www.planetary.net. And look for the planetary post. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. The opening credits. You'll see my bald head turning into a planet in space. <laughs>
2: an M class planet,
0: or, M-cla- or M-cla- okay. it is an M class okay. planet. In fact, there are there are a few people that are living, you know, quite peacefully, or right <laughs> right above my forehead. If you look closely. Um, so it's a—it's just my idea of what's cool that's happening that month in space. Right. But for a, a layperson's point of view, it's not geared, obviously, because I'm not a scientist. I'm just a but, space but, but, enthusiast. But you are, yeah, that's
2: what i say. You clearly are an enthusiast because in, in San Diego a few weeks ago, you were monitoring a panel with, with a lot of the NASA guys, right? That's right. So I th- w- this I w- is something that, you know, obviously is an offshoot from your work in science fiction. Um but was in you beforehand. I mean, you were definitely, had a proclivity for this for for years, I would imagine. Um, I was a biology major in college before I took a left
0: turn and became a theater major. Uh, <laughs> the life sciences are, were uh, a
2: childhood. Photosynthesis uh, versus uh, which is that's a that's a good that's a good thing, right? That's, Photosynthesis is a good right, thing. that's yes. plants need to you uh, can't keep a plant pla- in the dark.
0: Right, but exactly, and plants create oxygen, which is very popular with me, and I assume with you as well. But <laughs> but the life sciences were my sort of original. Entree into science, but uh, I think I've kind of come full circle now because of my experience on Star Trek. I really got interested in in uh, this in space exploration that's happening now, not just this wonderful vision of of of, uh, of exploration, you know, two hundred plus years right, in the future, right. and and also the you know the recent tantalizing evidence of the possibility of at least microbial life on mars because of the presence of water right and this mission that we're going to have
2: uh, that's that's going to europa which also that's the there. other but titan is also they say there might be or um, is it europa uh, europa is the one okay. that, that is most cancel uh, my flight to titan it's to <laughs> europa then what is it pretend i'm an idiot for a second no. what is it about water that means, because he always hears, oh, they found water. That means there's life. Well, what is it about water versus other things? It's just one of the, at least,
0: again, we're going by what life is like on our planet. Right? Right. Life could not exist without water on our planet. It's, and, there, and the thought is that, uh, that, there's, there's a, uh, that there's a much, much higher possibility of discovering at least microbial life because of the presence of water. Mm. That, is, that would be absolutely necessary. Without water... Life as we know couldn't exist. So it's just a, it's just a, a, it's just a sort of a mind-blowing possibility uh, that uh, that we're that because of the um, you know our robotic exploration of Mars that we now know of, and and with this Mars uh, with with the next mission to Europa, which I believe is in 2020, um, we're going to see a moon of Jupiter that also it has. Uh, that, that also has water, um, so we're going to look there as well. These are all these are all exciting developments that you can that you can follow. Right, and they're happening by, now. This they're is happening not in now. Far future. It's not. Right. And and my my idea is that if you're a science fiction fan, you're also a science fan. You just may not know it. Yeah, and you yeah. and uh, and it's totally cool. I mean, watch Star Trek. Yeah. watch all the science fiction you want, but.
2: But, um, you know... Because it does happen gradually. I mean, you watch Star Trek and you're like, they keep talking about the warp core. All right, the warp core. You say, well, what exactly is that? Well, it's a made-up thing, but it's based... In a little bit of a, you know, how traveling faster than light—that's a real question, and there are people trying to figure this out. Exactly. And that—that's yeah, a, had,
0: we've had, we have references on Voyager to string theory, dark matter, dark holes, things that that uh, didn't exist when the original series was there. So the Star right, right. Trek writers keep pace with uh, developments in real science and physics. And and in and exploration, and they reference it. They reference new discoveries. So Star Trek has always been an extension, yeah, of of
2: of cutting edge science. In other yeah. words, the
0: writers like to stay on top. They of they that.
2: definitely know about it, and they're looking for ways to put it in in a, in a way that still serves the drama and the action of the show. Exactly,
0: and sometimes yeah. it's uh, you know some of the references are a little silly. I mean, some of them could never yeah could never be. But uh, but still, I, I think that that's that's what interests me. For example, over the other franchise with star in the title, yes. it won't be mentioned now. Yeah. It's a lovely franchise. But there's too. not. It's a lovely franchise. You're
2: not talking about Stargate, are you? No, no. no you love Stargate. No, no. What are you talking Stargate, about? Stargate. Yeah,
0: I'm not Stargate no. is very good to me. I love Stargate. It's good to me. Star Trek is good to me. It's yeah. the other right, right, one. Okay. Right. Where I would say science is not a major consideration no. in their storytelling. No.
2: Star Wars is fantasy. Oh, you said it. You said I, it. I, I can't I believe you said it. He I said love said it out Star loud. Wars. I love Star Wars. Oh, my God. Star Wars is fantasy. Star Wars is more Lord of the Rings, and Star Trek is more Arthur C. Clarke. All there right. you go. There you go. See? Look at that. You have a way. You have, you have a You have a, a tenacious grasp of the obvious
0: that I lack, and I like that.
2: I like it. Um, when you were... Uh, but so, we, we were talking about things that are actually happening. The medical tricorder is something that they're trying to create. Absolutely. And you, you are tangentially involved in this in some way, at least helping promoting it, as, right? As I am. Uh, as, as, as Or maybe not tangentially. As, maybe
0: you're a well, principally Well, the, the XPRIZE Foundation is a non-profit. Yes. Uh, the first XPRIZE, the Ansara XPRIZE, was um, uh, in the early, in early mid-2000s. It was to Bert Rutan for creating the first reusable rocket ship that could take off, leave right. the Earth's, uh, gra- you know... Uh, leave the earth's atmosphere, return land and then do it again. That was the that was the requirement for the winner yeah. of the first uh, X Prize. Since then there have been many other X Prize challenges, one of which, underwritten by Qualcomm, the communications company, right. in late I think 2012, the challenge it's called the Star Trek Tricorder X Prize. Yeah. And it, the challenge was for a design team to create a version of a non-invasive medical device like what you saw me using on Star Trek as right. the doctor that would diagnose a certain number of uh, common human diseases. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether... I mean, it may be that they can take a, like a, 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 a teardrop or a, or a little bit of saliva or whatever. They may even... Be just able sniff, to, you know, just uh, to, 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 uh, maybe sniffing. I don't I know. know. Sniffing th- may be involved. Um, the point is that the uh, they're down to seven finalists, I believe. It could be five or seven because uh, the number has been whittled down. Ooh. And I think they're going to announce the winner early in 2017. But that's really cool that that uh, Star Trek, this you know science fiction franchise, is now it's now two full generations. Uh, have watched it and been inspired to pursue the technology that Star Trek posits to try to create it and bring it into you know our yeah. our lives, and that's that makes me proud and excited to be part of the of the Star
2: Trek. Well, legacy. let me ask you a philosophical question then, because as as your character was, of course, the author of "Photons Be Free," yes, and you know there's a lot of talk about the the singularity when AI will be. Uh, as smart as humans will take over, do do you think is this something that you've given thought about? Like, will will there be a moment when robots, androids, uh, holograms are uh, quote unquote alive? What will we, not, forget? Will we be able to differentiate? Will it matter? And will will there be rights for for robots? As as the you know measure of a man, the data episode, and and I mean, it sounds like a joke to us because when we see robots, they vacuum the floor, but you know, eventually it's going to happen. I think it's not only going to happen
0: that all of those issues that we dealt with on Star Trek will be issues that that will have to be dealt with in the future. Let me give you an example: um, the the uh, the non the the Star Trek X Prize Challenge I was just speaking of. Mm-hmm. I was on a panel at uh, the South by Southwest um, conference yeah. with. Uh, uh, a guy I, I should remember the doctor's name. He is very advanced in uh, what's called digital medicine in new ways of collecting and and uh, communicating information mm-hmm. um, and all of the all of the various challenges that that represents, all of the medical privacy issues, for example, if you have a home tricorder yeah. right you're in a remote location you have no No medical care right there, but you could scan yourself, and the data could go across the internet to your medical provider. Yes, he could analyze it and get back to you with a treatment regimen or whatever. But who wants to scan themselves and say, you know, you have a massive sarcoma, you're you're going to die in ninety minutes? Good luck. You can't. the, The information has to be mediated. My, as my right. character famously, as a piece of technology, had a very bad bedside manner in Star Trek, the same analogy applies to, because I, I was oh, a walking tricorder, that's what I was <laughs> accused of being by my by my crewmates. Right. So those same issues, a piece of technology that diagnoses you, has to somehow, the, the information as it's mm. given to you has to have a, quote, bedside manner. It has to be mediated right. so that the impact upon the patient is not as damaging as the actual diagnosis. <laughs> you, so, so the the thought being that more serious diagnose. It's one thing that to find out your body temperature, right? Oh, you or got whatever, a cold or, or something. Your blood, yeah. yeah, your blood. But the more serious information would have to go from the device to your medical provider, and he would have to contact you, right. So that, so that the impact of whatever the diagnosis right, was. Right was was somehow moderated and and you didn't have a, a, a psychological problems all of those issues that were basically in the first season of Voyager dealing with the emergency medical hologram technology that wasn't yeah. that really had a terrible bedside manner
2: those are those are issues. No, you, know, you that are keep now- saying had a terrible bedside manner. Once he got to know the doctor, he well, loved him. Well, of I mean, I would. Prefer- yeah. I have a doctor that I go to. He's a good guy. I would much rather go to the to, to you. You yeah. know, a load one, of laughs. I you was, know, I was pretty. Well, I season was, one is always yeah. a trouble on all these shows. Let's be no, honest. No, no, but, but I was pretty douchey. I never <laughs> smiled. I wasn't very.
0: You know, I I was not very sympathetic. It seemed like my emotional subroutines, which are designed to give me a, a bedside manner, my my emotions were more focused on me than on you.
2: It was I would care much more about how I felt. Now, whose or, fault was that? Was Dr. Lewis Zimmerman's fault, right? Well, I, mean, I guess it was, so.
0: He could have been. I could have had an egotistical programmer. Um, it could be simply that, uh, I, as a willful piece of software, I was simply just already following my own. You know right my my own desires
2: okay at that point who knows well so you're right so these things will have to be tweaked but eventually eventually assuming we don't blow ourselves up as a planet which is a big if right now yes (laughs) um photons be free I mean that there could be holograms programs that we will need to treat as as uh, sentient life
0: absolutely I I think and I don't think it's as far away as we think and uh, again the South by Southwest conference they the The demonstrations of robotic uh, technology, Uh, this company I believe uh, based in Japan where they seem to make the most extraordinary advances in Mm. in this field, uh, were amazing. They they were asking the robot uh, questions about feeling, existential, questions yeah. uh, that were remarkable, the responses of hmm. the robot. I only read about the conference. I didn't get to, it was a very popular and well-attended, yeah. I didn't get to get into that particular uh, panel,
2: but... Uh, did you see the movie Her with uh, Joaquin Phoenix from a yes, few years ago? I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then eventually they left. The robots were like, or the, in this case it was AI, they were just like, oh, we're too... Sweet. You're beneath us. We're we're moving on. We're and then they leave. They leave you. Humanity creates them, and then they zap off into the into the it ether makes, somewhere. Uh,
0: it makes sense. It so, was,
2: as someone who is very involved in in science and science fiction, I mean, you seem to really love it. What what were some of the books you read when you were uh, at a pivotal age that you really just sank your teeth into?
0: Um, you know, it's funny because as a young man, I was more into other genres. Mm. Um, uh, Really, uh, I was a big horror uh, oh, really? fan as oh. a young man, and uh, and not—I mean, uh, certainly, you know the, you know the Tolkien. Uh, the Tolkien saga as a young man but not never I was not a big I guess what I'm saying is I yeah. was not a big science fiction guy yeah, that I can did come not later read I didn't can... read a whole lot of uh, science fiction and now I would frankly rather read uh, you know I read a, 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 a recently a book on called Mapping the Mind uh, I'd rather read a book really about science so that I can learn yeah, a little yeah. more about Well, so Bill or, Nye or, pumps out a, a book um, every Bill's, two years and Bill's and they're and they're are great, great. Yeah. yeah his books are Are terrific, And and in fact, I had the honor of reading the first one uh, before it went to galleys because he would ask me, you know, he was was sort of polling different people for how they responded to different sections. And Bill and I are good friends. So I got to read the book before, you know, before it came out. Um but I, I I guess I've never really been, and this is a hard confession to make, I hope I'm forgiven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never been a big science fiction writer. And now, certainly since my experience with Star Trek, I felt I used to tell people, you know, I'm
2: doing 65 hours of science fiction a yeah. week at work. It's not the kind of thing I want to read. Well, I, I mean, off. you know, my my main job, and it, to most people doesn't feel like a job, but my main job is as a film critic. So mm-hmm. when I'm not assigned a film to review, mm-hmm. And people say, Ah, oh, it's good, but you know, I'm like, I don't wanna see that. Like right. I'm, That's my job. That's the last thing there, I wanna right. do is see something that's out like, you know, if I don't have to see it, and it's not something that I know I'm gonna like, it's mm-hmm. just some sort of a, a mediocre film. I'm like, no. So like on the plane, do I watch a movie on the plane? Hell no. Like I'll do anything else other than watch a movie on a plane. That's the last thing I want to do. So <laughs> Well,
0: I uh but I did see uh our our franchise, our new movie. Yes, what Star- did you think Trek of Beyond? You know, you I, were
2: the first I, person I've talked to uh since the movies come out, that's a Star Trek alum mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't in the film or had something specific. In it. And, and 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 you know, and you. you by the way, you have been a, obviously Voyager, but you were in the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. You were on Deep Space Nine, one episode. Mm-hmm. So you uh, you know you are I this have, is a uh, major I've, opinion. Now. I have moved around. I, I wait wait. I, somebody from the Phoenix Gallery says. Two episodes. Two episodes of Deep space Night. I think I
0: appreciate the thought, but I don't think I was. I think I was only in one. But we're Was it a
2: two-parter, maybe? Yeah, it, wasn't, it
1: was when we found out about
0: the, uh, All right, the uh, question is out episodes. there, if you're listening and if you know, was I in one or <laughs> two? No, you were in two? Dr. Bashir, I presume. Yes, I believe I was only in one. And then you know, I, his presence is so vast that he, he, yes, he's he, only in one episode. It feels right. like he's in The fine. corollary of what he's saying is a little of me goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> I did, too. That was great. I did. I caught her in the shower. That was a good... Yeah, I, th- I think I suggest these things. I know the episode where the doctor has daydreams. They called me in my trailer and said, we're doing an episode where the doctor... Day- what would some of your daydreams be? And I said, sketching seven of nine in the nude. I, I said it a little too fast. Like, I didn't have to think about it. And I thought they I never thought they would put it in the show, but they did. Oh, man. So I had to fess up to Jerry. I'm saying, sorry, that, that was my idea. I apologize.
2: You should know that just across the hall, they have, you know, MAC Cosmetics has a big yes. deal going on now with, with Star Trek. They have a whole line of Star Trek cosmetics. They have a beautiful, like, a pavilion in there. It's, like, straight out of, like... No, I've seen it. I yeah. went over there. I even got my shaving cut touched up. They were very nice. <laughs> but I'm saying they have a woman in the original Seven of Nine costume, the, the, the silver one, which right. was only used for a few episodes because otherwise Jerry would have... Uh, would have collapsed. I mean, it, she couldn't breathe in that thing. Uh, so yes, I think. I think it,
0: and and you know, um, normally they don't care whether we can breathe or not. But right. in that case, uh, they they uh, sh- they did. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want to lose Sherry. They knew that no. she
2: wasn't joking when she you know, was nearly. They're, they're, I have out. to tell
0: you, it was hard enough to breathe in our costume.
2: So I can't imagine what yeah, those were like. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are, wait, wait, what were we saying before we mentioned seven of nine? This happens. Uh, I don't know. When you mentioned we, seven of nine, it's hard to, uh, everything else goes out of your mind. Um, but we, she we, was great at astrometrics. It's not... It's a, wait. Oh, yes. Uh, we were talking about um, the new movie. The new movie. So you went and saw... I saw buy, the new movie. Let me ask you a question. When you go to the theater, I don't know, you go to the Arclight or someplace in L.A., you buy, you say, one, two tickets for Star Trek Beyond, please. Does the guy say, hey, wait a second.
0: Wait a second. <laughs> we're going to charge you double. Right? Shouldn't you get <laughs> we're going to charge you two twice because we know. <laughs> we know who you are. In fact, we're not going to let you in. <laughs> now, um, I... Uh, at, I am proud to say that at the historic Chinese Theater mm. uh, in Hollywood, which is now uh, you know they had a, an, an amazing renovation and it's now an IMAX theater. They had to oh. they had to like lower they they had to lower the floor of the theater because they
2: couldn't lower the, the ceiling exactly. because that's where the roof is. Exactly. So they dug so a so hole. They, they
0: dug a big hole. They made an amazing IMAX theater yeah. um, because uh, we had a 35th anniversary screening of the howling with Joe Dante and Dee Wallace and myself and other cast members. Love that movie. There. Written by written by, Don't Tell Me, John Sayles. There you go, very and, good. And we were um, we were in one of the smaller theaters. They now have an adjunct sort of Chinese theater with yeah. six, with a multiplex of six. So we were at a smaller theater. But because I did that, they gave each and every one of us a VIP pass oh. for the entire <laughs> year. And I have to tell you, I'm hooked on going to that IMAX theater. It's extraordinary to be right. in that historic theater and to see uh, a movie there. So I've seen several, and I saw Star Trek Beyond there. So my, my long-winded answer to your question is, I didn't have to pay yeah. for the movie. <laughs> but uh, but it, I, I saw it in an amazing venue. I love the film. You love I the think, film. I think the actor's chemistry is extraordinary. That's
2: really the, the big that, selling point. It is, is the big selling is the, point. Is the interaction it, between Kirk Spock-Bones, I it, mean, yeah, and everybody else it's also. great, and I've gotten
0: to know Carl a little bit. I've been in a couple events with yeah. him. I've only uh, met Zachary a couple of times also very gracious. I haven't met Chris yet. They have they're just great together yeah. on, on screen and I know one of the things about being, you know, a part of the Star Trek families, I know I'll meet them all sooner or later. <laughs> so you guys you can keep putting it off but it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, Simon
2: um, Pegg was here last year and he he said on this very show uh, a couple of days ago that he When uh, he wants to come to as many Star Trek conventions as he can, his dance card is very full right now. But if the scheduling is good, whether it's Vegas, London, New York, you know, if he can make it, he wants to come. So uh, you'll you'll be. I was a huge
0: fan of his before he joined the Star Trek franchise. You know, from the Shaun of the Dead movie and Hot Fuzz, and I mean, he's a he's hilariously (laughs) funny writer, filmmaker, actor. Um, and I just uh, and I believe he's kind of a Star Trek fan. Oh, like, yeah. I, I once yeah. saw him across a screening room in California, and I know he's totally knew who I was. It's like yes. 15 years ago, I was there yeah. with my then young teenage uh daughters, and and he like looked and 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 we kind of looked at each other like, I know who you are, and he looked at me like, I know who you are, <laughs> and it's and it's okay. <laughs> so he is uh. Really cool. The fact that he co-wrote uh, the the new movie yeah. is just another feather in his. Re- really already... unheard
2: of for somebody in a franchise film in this era yeah. Yeah. to have the third one in be the writer from the ensemble. Right. But he's a, he's a, he's a unique guy, and so... he's also
0: very credential.
2: Yeah. yeah, I know you were about to say that. Weren't you, Bob, the first actor on
0: one of the? A live-action series to get a writing credit. I know you knew that, and, yes. And you were about to segue into that. <laughs> You're quite brilliant as an interviewer. The way you weave it all together. Yeah, yeah. It's like amazing. a tapestry.
2: It's, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so you 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 came away from that saying, "Yeah, what's good for Star Trek is is good for everybody." You say the the movie was great, and yeah, no, but it, and, I I well, I've enjoyed all three of them.
0: I have to tell you, but I see first of all the uh, chemistry between yeah. the cast growing. Uh, with each one and uh, I know that because they, they have to in addition to being a Star Trek movie it has to be a summer popcorn movie sure so sure. I know that all the all of the crashing and you know the big effects and all the noise and clatter and visual effects have to be there but I thought they were particularly involved with the story this time and yeah. also I mean that that planet that they created that's that, deep, that the, space uh, station the Yorktown the, yeah, the Yorktown the, Yorktown, station, the yeah. artificial planet yeah uh, uh, was really an extraordinary. It's really I beautiful. To look at and that opening shot, which I ended up seeing two times. I saw the beginning of the movie again just to see that shot
2: again, where they first come in, and then it just segues into all the people walking along. Yeah, the, it's it feels like a lengthy section of the film, but it's probably like eight seconds. But it's a great eight seconds. It's yeah. it's probably the most uh, detailed vision of like this is the utopia of Star Trek that you we we always talk about. But on the show, we don't have the budget to show you exactly. So uh, you know, we do a we do a painting, uh, and then you know that's the academy. But here, right. we're gonna throw all the money up on the screen, and that's what movies can do. I mean, I do think, and most fans agree that that Star Trek is best served on television, mm-hmm. uh, episodically. Is 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 uh, you just get a richer storytelling with these characters. But the movies serve their purpose, and one of the purposes is to throw a lot of money on the screen and, and show a show a nifty sequence like that. Exactly,
0: and of course the movie opened uh, at Comic-Con this year, which is why they had so many Star Trek-themed panels. The one I was there for, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, I was the moderator of the NASA panel, the, right, yeah. the panel that was sort of a tribute to the long friendship that Star Trek has had with NASA. Um, uh, the wonderful Michelle Nichols, who was very involved. in Who's the like Earth an
2: old friend of yours now. You were yeah, in London yeah. together. Oh, yeah. You were inseparable I was
0: on you. stage. She's a, she's a dear person. And she... Uh, as you know, in the early '70s, was involved in uh, in uh, promoting uh, an outreach for NASA for uh, for uh, for women and for people mm. of color to become astronauts. So, uh, uh, Nichelle and other and other actors in the franchise have a, uh, a history of, of of a friendship with NASA, yeah. promoting uh, the importance of our own space exploration. Uh, promoting people to get involved with writing their congressmen to support uh, the budget for space exploration and space science, which is something that the Planetary Society does so well. We will have, you know, we will inform you uh, what, uh, you know, at critical moments when you can be an advocate for space, if you follow what... Because we have our eye on everything out there. We tell our membership and the broader public that it's time to write your congressman because, you know, the... the bill is coming up now. Oh, that coming needs to be, up. And now yeah. you can make your voice heard and say, you know, I I vote for space is our, is our uh, you know...
2: Well, you know, know it's funny. In the early days, like in the 70s, there would be all these sort of surprise stories like, guess what? This astronaut or this person at JPL or NASA... Will confess that he or she was hugely influenced by Star Trek as a kid. Now, it's like good luck finding one of these guys who wasn't influenced by Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's like an old story of now. Of course. Well, the panel,
0: and- the panel that I was moderating last week, we had um, uh, astronaut uh, Chell Lindgren, who just spent 144 days, I believe, on the uh, on the um, ISS, uh, returning. I think just early this early this year. Yeah. We had. Uh, uh, Amber Strawn, Dr. Amber Strawn, who's the chief uh, astrophysicist on the new James Webb Space Telescope at Goddard Space Center. We had Babik Ferdosi, who is Mohawk guy yeah. and internet Yeah, he's around sensation. here. He's always
2: at the conventions yes. also. He'll be here soon.
0: Um, and, a, and a friend of mine for at least 10 years because we go to the same gym. <laughs> and, uh, um, and who is our fourth panelist, a guy named uh, uh, Jay uh, Shanker. I believe, I hope I have his last name correct, who is basically a think tank guy at NASA. He does a lot of work with the um, uh, Innovative and Advanced Concepts, which is called NASA Innovative NIAC, I guess, N-I-A-C. NASA is nothing but acronyms, as you know, so it's one <laughs> right. acronym after right, right, another. Right, right. They joke that they have acronyms made up of acronyms, and it's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's, he's sort of the guy whose job is to take cool ideas from science fiction and say, what can we do now? Yeah, How can we try yeah. to make this real? So it was an extraordinary panel to be part of, and apparently I did a good enough job that, that the, uh, the uh, public relations guy from NASA asked me to host the panel at the big Star
2: Trek convention in New York on a Labor Day weekend. Well, that's a, that's a great segue to end with because that means I'm going to see you again in New York oh, in a cool. few we'll weeks. Oh, cool. We'll get to talk again. We, we, we will indeed. We can update all this. We can, we can correct all the, all the mistakes that we, uh, we we said on this one. But I don't make mistakes, <laughs> Jordan. I don't even know what you're talking Oh, you mean your mistake? <laughs> My mistakes. Oh, of course. Of I'm sorry. Well, you know what? Let's ask a question, and then we're going to throw it out to the fans out there that are listening, and then they can... I'm going to ask you to, to take a, a guesstimate. How many times do you think, and somebody out there, not me, is going to actually find out the real answer. Somebody's going to do the work, because Star Trek fans on the internet are crazy, so somebody's going to do it. Crazy in a good way. How many times do you think you said the phrase, please state the nature of the medical emergency, uh, that that actually made it into the final cut of each episode? Oh, gosh. That's a...
0: That's a really good question that go I've over. never been asked before. Oh man! Try
2: to try to do a guesstimate, and then I'm gonna find out, and then I'll either ping you over Twitter, or I'll let you know, and then we'll do a big reveal in New York when it happens uh, in a few weeks. That's very uh, that's cool. What, do you, this what is What a you great th- challenge! <laughs> this is a really cool idea because it he, could be a lot less than you think because you yeah. probably said it in your head a zillion times. But you know, those were different takes. Those were uh, and there were there was also say. there were also
0: times I was interrupted because i i mean where something was going on where i never completed the line, I in. the line when i it was too important to count, talk to you now. But we're going to count them right? yes
2: every time that your character was was uh in the, the process the, of. the subroutine of state this phrase okay. had been hit all right i am going to answer
0: 100 No. Seven seasons. I, I take it back. Yeah. Seven seasons. I'm not going to take it. I was going to say 117. That was my first guess. It's too many. Okay. It's too many. Yeah. I'm going to say... I think you're right. I think it is too many. I'm going
2: to say 68. 68. That's the number. Okay. So somebody out there that has the ability to to spider all of the... Because the, the transcripts are online. Somebody can figure it out. And please get back to me. Tweet at me. Uh, Or go to the Facebook page for Engage. Let me know how many times he actually said it, and then if you're close, I'm gonna give you like a, you know, like a prize.
0: A prize. I like that. I'm you know g- what? Anybody. You can see why I never gamble when I'm here in <laughs> Vegas. Because anybody who goes from a hundred and seventeen 60. to sixty-eight has really no idea. He just doesn't know. Yeah. So you could tell why I never, I never bet on That's anything. That's great. Because I'm gonna. It's like, uh, yeah, hit me. Uh, no, don't hit me. All right, hit me. Or hit me twice. You know, I mean, I'm really. It's not. Put my it all field. on black. Put it on fourteen
2: red. Well, Bob, thanks so much, and thanks for letting us know about planetary. Dot, planetary. Dot Net. That is
0: w- www.planetary.net hmm. and please subscribe dot to the f- dot org. Dot .org. Oh my, oh God. my God! Red, God. Alert. Red <laughs> alert! Red alert! Red <laughs> alert! Thank God they were here. <laughs> www.planetary.org.org. Okay. And uh, you can subscribe for free to the Planetary yeah. Post.org is better. That means that that means you're doing it. And because I know all this. I know, know? This. Org is I much know this. I'm so embarrassed, but That's we're not going to edit yeah. it. We're not going to edit it. No, no. Um, and, uh, but I, I encourage you to, to subscribe to the Planetary Post and find out what's cool that's happening in space. Awesome. Thanks again.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment,
0: and more. Play it at play.it.
1: Welcome back to Engage, Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, with your host Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational.
2: And we're back in uh, our little hideaway. This is uh, what am I, this is, I guess. The, I guess this is my ready room. This is a little, little room off to the side, man cave. At the, was very blank. I'm in a blank, uh, little. Con, uh, what do you call it? a little tiny conference room uh, at the at the Rio Convention Center? Uh, for the Star Trek uh, convention, and uh, Dayton Ward is here. We literally bumped into one another uh, walking out of uh, one of the panels, and I looked to my—I'm like, "Oh, I know this guy. <laughs>
1: I know this Joker."
2: And it was like, "Oh," because we were going to be recording anyhow. Like, let's do it now. So, for those of you who don't know, Dayton Ward is in the trenches. He is one of the more prolific Star Trek novelists currently, expanding uh, the galaxy in prose fiction. Uh, how many books have you uh, written or co-written thus far that have been published? I know you have one that's about to be published, but prior to that... I am working on my
1: 25th novel right now. That's no joke. That's um, uh, that's an awful lot. Who's written the most? Do you know? Oh, I, that has to be somebody like uh, Dave Mack or Keith DeCanado or maybe even somebody like Peter David. Yeah. Would, I'm, I'm still trying to chase them. Yeah. <laughs> so. Peter David, I think probably because
2: those... Um, he had New it, Frontier. He had yeah, a whole series to himself. And so, in your yeah. defense, um, some of those were were, were short. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of just numbers, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. I'm still chasing people like Gabe Okay, and cool. And, and the new one that you're doing, and you w- work uh, frequently with the collaborator, uh, Kevin um, Dilmore, who is, uh, is he here also? He's the here. Convention? He's running around. He's he's representing Hallmark at the moment. Uh, right. He, he serves two masters. Yeah, there um, you go. But uh, many you've done with Kevin and some you've done without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that fun some days and somebody's like, Oh my God, I'm lost.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Kirk without my Spock. I need, I need him back. Most of the time it's fun. I would say 98% of the time it's fun because we were friends before we were collaborators. Yeah. No, I mean when you're doing something alone, when you're not with him, is it like, oh. Oh, I'm free, I'm a free man. I'm like, help, I'm lost. What's going on? As I tell people, it's, it's three times as hard to write a novel when you're collaborating. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, cause you, you you're, 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 you're uh, it's, it's, you're having to blend two writing styles you're having to uh, blend two perspectives and try to make it you know harmonize and and for the reader's sake make it sound like one person wrote it sure um but thankfully we we have strengths that complement one another uh and we just get along real well and we both have very similar ideas about what makes it for a great story yeah particularly a great star trek story so it's just a lot of fun. I mean, we spend a lot of time uh, brainstorming ideas over you know, lunch or you know, on our way around town to the movie or something. We hang out a lot beyond writing. So uh, that's half the fun is yeah. it's just nine-hour drive to Denver. We collaborate and break an idea for an entire novel by the time we get there. And
2: you've been friends for, before uh, you yeah, were
1: collaborators? Or? Yeah, yeah, 18 years, uh, 18, 19 years. In fact, he, we met because uh, he was interviewing me uh, for Star Trek magazine. Oh, I was wow. one of the first Strange New Worlds winners. Yeah, no, I want to bring it back about how you guys
2: and you both live in, I want to say, Kansas City. He lives in
1: Kansas and I live in Missouri, but we're like forty minutes apart, just off the straight line from each other.
2: Right. He lives in Kansas. You live in mm-hmm. what town do you live in, in Missouri? I live in
1: a little uh, suburb called Lee Summit, which is just southeast of Kansas City.
2: Lee's Summit? Mm-hmm. Was there a, a guy named Lee who Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's or? not General Lee. Like it's not <laughs> no, Robert some little bit a
1: but uh, and Kevin lives in a suburb of of, of uh, called Overland Park, which is uh, kind of that. the southwest yeah. corner of the metro area. Gotcha. Uh, but he he commutes into Kansas City, Missouri, for work at Hallmark. Uh, so it's 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 just weird. It's you just jump back and forth, kind of like living in D.C. or working in D.C. and right. running back and forth to Maryland or Virginia.
2: Right. Gotcha. So no so, passports, no papers. So <laughs> so how many years ago was the first
1: uh, Stranger Worlds uh, uh, contest that you? 1997 was the year they opened the contest, and uh, I was one of the first winners picked for that. And then Kevin, who was writing for the old Star Trek Communicator magazine that Dan Madsen edited mm-hmm. uh, and Larry Nemechek edited, um, assigned him to interview the 18 winners of the contest. Oh, wow. So he did most of those interviews via email or by phone. But he, for whatever reason, to this day that I don't understand, he decided to call me or email me and ask me if I wanted to meet for a beer. Well, maybe
2: we were, he realized that you were local. Yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah,
1: he realized we were local. We were forty-five minutes apart at the time, so he said, uh, "Why don't we just meet for beer and I'll do the interview that way?" You know, so the interview lasted an hour, and we ended up BSing for another couple of hours. Perfect. And we've been hanging out ever since. Our That's wives great. were very happy because we all had we each had a new playmate. And you know, to right. <laughs> take the Star Trek so, stuff away for,
2: for people who don't know the the Stranger <laughs> World uh, books were uh, something that uh, Simon and Schuster did, uh, and they've done them a few times where they said, "Look, you know." these characters, everybody loves them, and who are we to say we're the ones, only ones making these stories? It was basically a fan fiction, I mean, not, fan fiction sometimes has a negative connotation, but it's what it was. It was, yeah. you got a story, submit it, and if it's good enough,
1: it's gonna get in the book. It was for unpublished writers, so people who hadn't published professionally before. Yeah. And the, but the guidelines were very similar to what, at the time, the writers of the regular novels were adhering to, with a few more caveats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very, very fan-driven, and so I entered that first contest, uh, and they picked they picked my story, and I entered the the next two contests, while also trying to submit to magazines like Asimov and Analog, mm-hmm. and failing horribly at that. <laughs> and uh, But I was able to play stories in the second and third Strange New Worlds anthologies, uh, at which point I was disqualified from entering again, because now oh, I'm a professional. You're in, the air quotes. you're in. Yeah, I've been branded or whatever. And, yeah. uh, but the editor at the time, John Ordover, he called me and says, I'm buying your third story. You can't submit to this contest anymore, but how would you like to write a Star Trek novel for me? Whoa. And so I said... You dropped the phone. I said, I've never written a novel before, let's see, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) And uh, So I've been doing it ever since. That's amazing.
2: That's cool. And you've done um, uh, original series uh, characters, Mm -hmm. and you've done um, also characters that were were not on television, the uh, Vanguard series. You did a a number of those books. Yep. Um, and the Seekers books that came after, which were in that series also. Sort of a sequel
1: to Vanguard.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and what am I forgetting? What are some? I did next generation.
1: Uh, yeah, and I've also done what the, we used to have an ebook novella series called the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. Oh yeah, those are great. I did several of those. I love with those. Kevin, we did. In fact, I wrote all of those with Kevin. Uh, we did ten of them, I think. For, yeah, for that
2: yeah. Series. Some and, One of them was tied directly into Vanguard, right? It Wasn't.
1: Yes, it was like a prequel to Vanguard that we wrote. We we kind of introduced the station via the perspective of the engineers because they right. were having, the station was having problems while it was being finished its you know, right. finishing its construction. So we brought in the engineers
2: who, for people who haven't read what what is this uh, the 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 SCE novels? What, oh, it was
1: a it was a series of novellas for ebook format uh, that chronicle the adventures of a group of engineering and technical specialists uh and all they did was they went in and they dealt with alien technology all right for example kirk goes in he talks the computer to death throws the entire society into turmoil and then sails off to his next mission yeah somebody has to come in and clean up the mess and these are kind of like the blue collar guys of, of star they're like damage control right. they come in and they are hazmat cleanup they, they do all the, the the dirty work that you don't They're roadies they come in and they fix yeah. everything And uh, so these guys are very highly technical, they're very savvy, Uh, they they deal with the alien technology, they decipher the alien languages, they they deal with all the stuff that Kirk and gang don't deal with, right? or Picard and the gang in this case, because it was set in the next-gen era. Uh, So that's the premise. So it's a very eclectic group, it's a very non-conform group group. It's they're mostly think of MASH with the with the with the drafty doctors who are not regular army dealing with that stuff. <laughs> right, right. That's what the engineers were a lot like. In fact, MASH was a was a template in a lot of ways. Oh really? For, oh, in oh, terms wow. of personalities and, and like there's a there's a button-down commander having yeah. to deal with all these specialists who aren't, you know, in the service. So you have to kind of coddle them in a different yeah. way.
2: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of humor in in these books also because these are kind of like they're not they're not Captain Picard, you know. They're, not they're, Captain they're, Picard, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're definitely
1: not Captain Picard. Um, so it was, but there was a lot of fun. I mean, I, yeah. I think if if anything, the, the, the series probably was ten years too early. Because now ebooks are the norm. Everybody has ebooks or loves right, ebooks. Right. And back then it was it was sort of a niche.
2: When it started thing. like it was even
1: before the Kindle or the Kindle had oh, just Oh, this come is with... way before Kindle. This yeah. was like when people were still using Palm Pilots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, so, right. No, I've read when I've read these, I've read them on the Kindle. And they yeah. were,
1: you know, they, they were at a nice price point. You yeah. know, yeah, how can you go wrong? And in, and, fact, yeah, in fact, they bundled one of ours with the Palm Pilot. You could buy the Palm Pilot in the box at, like, the box store. Oh, really? And they bundled the first half of a two-part story of ours with the Palm Pilot as a free ebook. So our part two was a bestseller on the Palm website for a year and a half. Oh, awesome. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Never got any money out of that, but it was cool. Yeah. And they, they – haven't they – They've, have they ever done a printed version of some of them? I they think? yeah they do. Cl- it wasn't intended. I mean, it was originally it was going to be ebook exclusive because yeah. it's a Microsoft thing, and then they started reprinting them in paperback. Right. So, yeah, I've have seen them. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, it was it, uh, we fell victim to that because our two parter was 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 split across the first two books, and that, oh. that of course is kind of a crappy thing to do to people. So we started structuring. The stories in an order that, when they got collected, it wouldn't break a right, part right, right, story right. or yeah. anything like that. So,
2: now reel them in, make them by the next uh, one. Yeah, you know,
1: you can't, <laughs> you can't push that too far.
2: No, no, you gotta, you gotta be good about that. All right, cool. So, Corps of engineer, and and now uh, you are part of really one of the biggest tie-in book initiatives that's happened in a while for the 50th anniversary, which is the trilogy. Um, called legacies. Legacies, yes. It's the legacies which just. um, Book two is coming out like any minute. It came out at the
1: end of uh, July. Came out and book
2: one came out in Uh, end of June. Okay, I haven't read any of them yet, but I'm going to book one was Greg Cox, Mm -hmm. who has written some of the. He wrote one of the best Trek books ever. Which is the Khan Singh yes. trilogy. I love those two books. Those uh, are my favorite. Well it's a,
1: it's two, I know it's three, the, but I I separate the It is it's one. a
2: diptych yeah. and a plus. The yeah. f- the first two are The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall mm-hmm. of Khan Singh. Singh. Yeah. When were those written? That's back in the late nineties. Late nineties? Okay. Yeah. So, book one was was the rise, and it's a lot of it's done through Gary Seven's point of view. Oh my god, one of my favorite
1: things about the original series is Gary Seven. Yeah, so
2: So, uh, it's the, the the eugenics wars through Gary Seven's point of view, and you get to watch Khan. Um, you know, and you get to witness the eugenics wars uh, and and Khan, which is something that in in Italian fiction has been done like three times. There was a comics version of mm-hmm. it, uh, you know. There's talk from the movie. What's extrapolated right. from Space Seed from the, the Into Darkness. So there's a lot of different versions there's out a lot there. Of versions. <laughs> but, but Greg Cox is the Greg's best, is for my sure. preferred version. No, it is because um, it's the one that's most thought through and the most in depth. And then the third book that Greg Cox did, which is again late '90s, uh, which was the Khan. Um, it was called "To, to Rain in Hell," yeah, and it it's was a,
1: the marooning on Seti Alpha yeah, Five. It's
2: yeah, it's about Khan and Seti Alpha Five, and I, there's a great, um, there's a wraparound, right? Isn't there something like it starts with Kirk
1: and Spock oh, go yeah. down the the planet um, Seti Alpha Five is yeah, when, they, th- when they drop him down? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They drop him down, and then and then it. I'm trying to remember. It explains
1: why Khan knows Chekhov.
2: Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole thing, and I just remember Kirk and Spock are like trapped in a cave-in or something. I don't remember exactly what happens, but I read it a long time ago. Um, but then it's like, yes, this is this was uh this was what happened to him. And you do feel like by the time um uh, Chekhov and and the Reliant land there, you're like, yeah, he's got a right to be pissed. He's you know.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he might have a grievance. <laughs> yeah, no, he had a
2: rough time. It was not Kirk's fault per se, although he was he should have checked in on him once yeah. in a while. He's told somebody yeah. to check on him. But he had a rough time battling the elements. It's really a survival novel. Yeah, It's a book, that one specifically, is something that you could give to somebody who's never heard about Star Trek and be like, um, all right, there's a couple of things at the beginning that you're not going to know what the hell's going on, but the bulk of it is, about a guy trying to survive in harsh elements, right. and uh, it, it's pretty nifty. So, he wrote book one, mm-hmm. book two. Uh, David Mack, David Mac. Uh, who is a, a, a legendary
1: figure, very <laughs> prolific writer, very talented writer, yeah. uh, a lot of fun to work with. Uh, he was the co-creator of the Vanguard series with editor Marco Palmieri, and then we developed Seekers with him uh, yeah. as a later. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's the he doesn't think he's so, but he's definitely the linchpin because you know it's the story. Arcs through his book, and he, he basically throws all the balls in the air, and then Kevin and I have to figure out how to catch them all. Yeah. So I years ago I met
2: uh, David Mack on a bus and I was reading one of his books. <laughs> and well, you're I, the guy. I, I don't yeah, I don't know that this has happened too much, but I'm like, I'm on a bus in New York, and I'm like, hey, you're David Mack. He's like, yes, I am. He's like, Who is this? Am I about to get served? Is this a is this a summons? <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, I'm reading, uh, I whip out my bag. He's like, I'm in the middle of reading this. And obviously he was please, be he was flattered, fun. but also, like, terrified.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's well, it. I got called out at the airport yesterday. It was the same feeling, because I got recognized yeah. by a fr- somebody I know on social media. But, I, you know, you meet people on social media... Yeah, and you don't necessarily meet them in real life ever. Yeah, and he, yeah. he was like, "You're Dayton Ward." And I'm like, "And I'm the same thing. I'm about to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> what's the deal? Did I make? A, are you somebody's wife? Husband, <laughs> or husband? You know, what's the deal?" <laughs> yeah, so, I
2: mean, the, the novelists don't often I know. get recognized. It, very, um, very
1: rarely does yeah. that
2: happen. Was he? Was this at the airport coming here? Was yeah, it, yeah. It, it was. Oh, so City he was airport. a Trek fan. Yeah, we so were on the was,
1: plane, same flight to Vegas. Oh, so awesome. It's, okay, and
2: then so book three, tidying it all. The big finish is you and Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so the question is, I haven't read it. Can you give me just sort of a basic thumbnail of what this trilogy is? is, uh, um, Give me the elevator pitch, if you will, because two of these books
1: are in stores right now. Basically, there is an item of alien technology that has been protected by captains of the Enterprise, going back to Robert April's tenure. And so when Robert Robert April transferred command to Christopher Pike, he gave him possession of this item. And then when Kirk took over from Pike, Kirk has this item. This is like
2: the letter in the White House. Every Kind of, sort of, yeah. It's like, the, it's
1: like the secret thing, the book of yeah. secrets kind of thing. And uh, so, but circumstances being, you know, ha, ha, as things are wont to do, uh, circumstances require that, uh, number one, uh, mm-hmm. the character from Captain Pike's Enterprise has need of this item. So she comes to steal it from Captain Kirk. And that sets it into a motion, whoa, whoa, a whoa. chain of events. Wait,
2: let me, so, let, me, let, me, let me dial this back a bit. So April... Who we only see in Canon in the in the animated right. series, right? Mm-hmm. April gave it to Pike Pike uh, and number one um, knew about it, knew about it mm-hmm. and um needs this thing for some reason and is gonna steal it from Kirk. So this is set in in original series. Yes, so definitely.
1: It's definitely five year mission time frame. okay, uh, Kirk and the gang in their prime, Awesome. the, the way it is meant to be. okay. <laughs> do how far into the trilogy? do you find out what this doohickey is oh in the first book oh okay uh, yeah right. no we won't we wouldn't do that to people no we, we we find out what it is in the first book and how it came into april's possession because the first book primarily is written in april's time frame oh wow uh, so you see you one see, of the least known about eras I exactly mean, yeah. so and then uh uh david max is set in the five-year mission time frame with kirk as captain of the enterprise dealing with the fallout and then we our book picks up almost immediately after his book to, to bring it all hopefully to a rousing conclusion. <laughs>
2: so people... Readers and, will have to be the judge. Readers so. will have to get to the last page and just sort of just explode into sand with the satisfaction yeah. of what they've read. So um, not only is it difficult to work with a co-writer, you're working with a co-writer in conjunction with two other writers um, to do this whole trilogy. And obviously everyone's book is their own. Mm-hmm. But there is an overarching art. How in the heck did you do that? Was this, this massive Skype calls, lots of emails? A lot of and emails. Uh, yeah. Simon & Schuster and CBS are, I mean, giving guidelines on on the the general arc of it. Sure. I mean, it's I mean, a real collaborative it, process.
1: It, it, the, the, the the way things work now with pocketbooks and the fiction is that the editor, it, it tends to be sort of like uh, the showrunner on a television show. Okay. And the rest of us are sort of the writers in the writer room. To, to different degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, with this particular project, the four of us uh, pitched it to our editor at Pocket Books. Is this Risa really, Kessler? No, the, this is uh, Margaret Clark, who was working as okay. a freelance editor for, and Ed Schlesinger, who's the in house editor at Pocket Books. We pitched this as an idea for a 50th anniversary thing, something big to do for the, for the 50th. And they were enthusiastic about it, and we, we had given them like a five page pitch to cover the entire trilogy. They sent us to our corners, and we all wrote a more detailed outline to give to CBS. Mm. Uh, and so, like, John Van Sitters at CBS is the is the overseer of those things, and he yeah. gives us his blessing. Uh, he gave us a few recommendations to tighten the story or make it better, uh, and then we all went to our corners, and we wrote our books. And wow. we were in constant contact with each other because of the of the nature of the plot lines. We were always yeah. referring to each other or asking questions of each other. Because you're
2: writing simultaneously.
1: Almost simultaneously. So you're writing book three at the same time Greg
2: is writing book one, and you're, you're not— you're not reading his book and then saying all right now i know what to do i can do mine we had
1: all three outlines done before we anybody started writing okay. and then uh, this is very unique i would oh, imagine. yeah, i don't think
2: there's anybody else doing this specifically for not saying as high profile and granted there are some people who are into literature that would say this is you know marcel proust sat in an attic and wrote his books by himself and right. that's cool that's his way of doing it right. but this is a this no, is a this very is... unique and and
1: Fabulous thing that you guys are doing. It was a very collaborative venture. It was very fun to do. For one thing, we're all friends, so that yeah. helps. Yeah. We all, and we all we all are, are huge fans of the show. We're very protective of the show. We, we want to do right by it. So it was that's that part's easy. Yeah. It was just you know sometimes you forget a, a, a bit of trivia, so you have to ask people. I'm looking online. I can't find it on Memory Alpha. What, oh, okay. what happened in this episode? I can't find it. I can't find my Blu-rays. How do you? What, what did he say in this episode? Right, right, right. And so, we, so yes, the conversations can get incredibly nerdy. Yeah, but it's fun because we're all doing this for the right, what well, we feel are the right reasons. Yeah. We're just having a ball doing it, and you're also in different towns. I mean, David's oh yeah, in New York. we're all over the. Where's place. Greg? He's, He's in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, okay. And uh, Kevin and I are in the Midwest. So, yeah. yeah it's you know there's time zone differences and uh, availability differences. Yeah. Uh, so it's Kevin works full time as a Hallmark writer. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Know, I'm 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 trying to make sure he doesn't feel burdened right (laughs) because we're all the rest of us are all freelancers yeah um no it was a lot of fun there's a lot of emails back and forth uh we were very supportive of one another we weren't writing quite simultaneously i think greg got a jump on us yeah because he just writes so much faster than we do and then uh dave and i dave and kevin and i were writing our books largely at the same time for the most part and then uh i ended up having to kind of put things in neutral and deal with some family stuff mm. my mother got sick my mother's oh. health deteriorated, and then Sorry. so i ended up writing a lot of that book in florida while my mother was in the hospital <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah it was a it was a very uh it's a little stressful because you feel the pressure to do it yeah. right especially yeah. this year and right then, this know, initiative is a 50th yeah. anniversary initiative so you always want to do it right but definitely you wanted to get it right yeah this, time.
2: this is a book i mean there are a lot of star trek books that come out and once in a while, one of them may not be the greatest thing ever. You go, okay, mm-hmm. there's 500 others to, to read. Yeah, but, so, you you, you want to w- do right by everyone. Yeah, you know, you want, yeah.
1: you, the readers are very protective of Star Trek. They're very supportive of what we do, or, the, or at least you know, our, our contingent of loyal readers. So you, you want to do right by them. You want to make sure that they got their money's worth yeah. for the rate. How many, how many Star Trek novels have you read? Uh, let me see carry the one <laughs> This is five billion no do you think uh, you've read them all? I haven't read them all okay. uh, I, I mean I used to read them all the time in yeah. fact there was a time when I started to kind of get tired of them because they were sort of formulaic for a while there was a
2: little stretch in the 90s there were just too many it was over it was over well there- I mean
1: it was just felt like there was a cookie cutterness cutter and it wasn't yeah. anything that the writers necessarily were doing wrong it's just the, the, like the guidelines they were operating under were much more restrictive than they are today yeah. we have a tremendous amount of latitude and freedom and support from CBS yeah. today Um, And And sometimes they can get, they can get, they can do things that the shows can't do. And I
2: don't just mean in terms of describing fantastical things that would cost a zillion dollars to shoot. I mean, there's, there's, there's violence, there's death, there's sex. It's a little there's more some, sophisticated. There's some. There's some, uh, there's some uh, racy scenes in and in, uh, in, in, in
1: in some of in these. The events. Vanguard books are yeah. really darker, but I mean, it, it, even there, there's a line we won't cross. Yeah, and yeah. this uh, is PG thirteen. Exactly. We still want to keep it. Maybe PG fourteen. There's but, a couple of. Mo- I'm remembering some
2: very yeah, specific scenes. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's probably Dave.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, but yeah. I mean, th- today the attitude is is not so much about what you can't do. Like it used to be, the guidelines were largely about what you can't do what's not allowed, what yeah. you can't? What we're not allowed to let you do. Now the guidelines are a lot more about what you can do, what we would like to see you do, what we would love to see you do. We're yeah. really excited about what you're doing. So it's a completely different attitude, and I'm having a ball with it. I'll yeah. keep doing this until they throw me out of the boat. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, there, there was a stretch in the 90s where there were so many different series. Like there are some series mm-hmm. that have never even – had a chance to get to, like the, the star I'm sure they're great, the, the Stargazer series.
1: Yeah, it was a Stargazer I series. just
2: never got to it
1: because there's so much else going on. There was one called like New Earth, I think it was called? It was a mini-series, or? so it was intended yeah. to be limited. Oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, there was a lot of experimentation, you know, not everything stuck. Yeah. Uh, they, the New front or New Earth was an answer to New Frontier, which was sort of a spin-off of Next Generation. Uh-huh. And, D- and they were trying to come up with a concept of an original ship and original characters that weren't necessarily tied to the shows. Right. So we'd have that kind of freedom. Right. New Earth was the first attempt to try to do that in the 23rd century as a counterpart to New Frontier. And Did you?
2: Were you involved in New No, Earth? not no, at all. No. I was involved in that yeah. one.
1: Um, um, I, and they, and then, ahead.
2: of course, there's just the classics, which you see in the vendor rooms mm-hmm. there for two bucks, like yeah. the classic pocketbooks, you know, Vulcan oh, Academy yeah, Murders. Or a song. And And I read all those. When I was a kid, I read all oh, those. Oh, yeah. Uh, and many of them are really quite good. Some of them are not, but...
1: Many of them are very one good. One of my all-time favorites is the Entropy Effect, which was the very first original novel that Pocket produced, uh, back in nineteen eighty one. Yes. It's still one of my favorites.
2: That's Vonda McIntyre. Vonda McIntyre. Yeah. It
1: was like it still ranks as one of the best ones ever. That's a Romulan story, right? It's it's a it's a it's a crazy story with with, uh, Sulu has long hair and a mustache and he's got a love <laughs> affair going, and there's a Romulans involved. But it's it's and Kirk gets killed, sorry, spoilers, yeah. but you know he survives. Um, but it's still one of the best written stories yeah. from Pockets Run, and that was the first one out of the gate. I love so, the one that's just called Enterprise. That also was by meant. Was meant to be.
2: Was meant to be what ultimately Star Trek 09 the movie was. It was mm-hmm. how they it was their first mission, right? Which now is a complete canon breach, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Well, no, I guess it may not. It may not be come to think of it because it was... Uh, I guess there's still room in there for that There's still happen. room <laughs> in that. But there's a lot of really cool stuff yeah. that happens in that book and it's really nice. And Spock's World is another great one. There's, That's there's a great one. so That's, many good is. ones. But I am, of, of all my Star Trek fandom, the books are the area with which I have the least amount of knowledge. Although to the common man in the street, I'm the, the titan of, right. of, of knowledge. Uh, there are... For example, the Titan series. I mm-hmm. haven't read any of those, I'm embarrassed to say, but I want to. But uh I definitely want to get this this new uh this new trilogy. Sounds like a great place to jump in. And it sounds like there are really for people who are not sure where to where to start, because there is a bit of a holy smokes, what do I do? This new trilogy is a pretty darn good place to start. Yeah, we wrote night.
1: this as a complete uh you can buy these three books, and you don't have to have read all the other novels. We try yeah. to write all the novels to be open enough that somebody could pick one up at random and read one. I mean, there's going to be exceptions if you're talking about miniseries and things. Sure, sure. These three books don't rely on any continuity that we've established in the novels. It yeah. strictly takes its lead from the original series.
2: Yeah. Now, what's cool is that with the, um, the new series that's starting in January, uh, uh, The Discovery, one of the writers in the writers room is a, is one of your fellow Star Trek novelists my, my Kirsten si- Kirsten Bayer. Kirsten Bayer my sister from another mister right <laughs> so um, she's
1: my older sister I call
2: her so uh, season two fingers crossed you guys yeah, get the call no, you, know, uh, I,
1: you know I'm not, I'm not a, I'm, I have no screenwriting experience whatsoever well does she? yes she does oh she does okay so then I take it all back, I take and, it you all know, back. Dave okay. Mack has screenwriting experience yeah. and so it's like the, You know, he's more definitely more qualified than I would be to be in that room but uh, but it's it's awesome to have her in the room because she uh, she's a terrific writer number one uh, and she's got a great sense of what makes for a fantastic Star Trek story. Yeah,
2: and she if people don't know she um, was sort of the guiding force behind the quote unquote season eight of Voyager the continuing novels of Voyager yeah. post uh, post the last uh, you know last season which T Space Nine did too you know they they had a sort of an after mm-hmm. after story. Um, If someone hasn't read a Kirsten Byer novel in Star Trek, what would be the first one that you would Uh, recommend?
1: I'd 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 do her first circle, or full circle, which is basically her Voyager relaunch that picks up Voyager after the series.
2: So if people want to get in on, because she's uh, somebody who's going to be very important to Star Trek, because she's one of the key writers of the new shows, full circle will be the one. That's Mm -hmm. from like early 2000s, right? It's it's, It's
1: been a few years now. The years are starting to go together. (laughs) Um, But that's her first go at at, at Voyager. She had written a Voyager novel prior to that, but it was part of a, a... a trilogy like a mini series. yeah and this is all set post series right 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 and she's cool. written every Voyager book that's come out since then that's set in that continuity And okay. she's totally knocked it out of the park she owns Voyager as far as I'm concerned great great. Um, she took what I thought was the island of misfit treks which <laughs> <laughs> and turned it into like must see re- or must read storytelling awesome so, very cool so a little bit about your background correct if I'm wrong you are a marine right I was a marine for uh, 11 years a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Do you have a Semper Fi? Right. That's the. Yep. Uh, do you. Uh, do you have a tattoo Is that says Semper no. Fi on it? Not Is that, that it? I can show you. <laughs> no. Um,
1: I went in right out of high school. Uh, really. And uh, I. Uh, I spent. I was going to do the four years and get my GI Bill money and go to college. Yeah. And I ended up staying for eleven. And, man, uh, man,
2: eleven years. What yeah. was your
1: ultimate rank? Uh, I was a staff sergeant. Oh, that's the guy who yells at everybody. No, Well, I yell at anybody anyway. um, (laughs) I was in E6, which is kind of like the beginning of the upper tier ranks for enlisted uh, Marines. In the movies, anyhow, Staff Sergeant's the guy that you don't want to piss them off. Did you
2: have to do the... you know, drill, not a drill sergeant, but you would have to like inspection and scream oh, yeah, at people? I, or?
1: I would do that sometimes, but not to the degree like in the movies with the guys with the smoky bear hat. Right. I, was, I mean, I, I wasn't a drill instructor. Right, right, but, right. But I mean, you know, inspections and close order drill and, and, and things were part of what right. I did back then. But you
2: seem you know? like a nice guy. You probably didn't want to yell at these people, but you knew it was part of the thing. Like if the guy's bunk was a mess, oh, yeah, that's I've, part of the discipline. You got to yell at him
1: because you got yelled at. And... I've, I've made grown men cry on occasion. Oh, it's man. happened, but, I, you know, it's. I'm mellow now. I have kids. I'm older, you know, yeah. and so I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of mellowed out. People tell me I've mellowed out. You don't throw chairs anymore. <laughs> like, well, you know, I got that out of my system. So.
2: so, do you find yourself more compelled to write about or or dwell on the military aspects of
1: Star Trek, or not? Uh, it comes in handy. It yeah. comes in handy for things like the the space battles, and if we're doing a court martial or something that's intrinsically military in nature. But um, I don't I don't know that I necessarily have an advantage as far as other writers when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, anybody can look anything up. Anything's researchable. Sure. Um, where were you deployed when you were during these 11 years? I was everywhere. Really? <laughs> I, wow. I, I got around. Uh, I, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton uh, in California on my first tour, and then I went to Okinawa for a year. Oh, wow. And then uh, I just progressively bounced around uh, to places like Albany, Georgia, and uh, in Kansas City is where I ended up. And that's where I decided to, to stay. My wife and I had been married for a few years at that point, and she'd okay. already moved a couple of times and was getting kind of tired of it. Right. Right. And so I said, well, I'm at the point now where if I enlist one more time, I might as well stay in for the full 20 and get my retirement benefits. Yeah. And so I opted to get out and enter the private sector. Uh, I, was a, I, was in software, I was in IT. I was in information technology at that point. Oh, I see. And so I, I just decided to so get out. So you were out. fixing the, the servers of... I was a software developer in the military. Wow! So okay. I did stuff like everything from financial and logistic systems to uh, to uh, embedded systems. I, just, I learned like I don't know a dozen different uh, programming languages uh, to do different things for different people. Yeah, it was, uh, I got around.
2: They sent me. They sent me all over the place. You know, this is not Star Trek related at all, or maybe it is. There's a movie that just came out. Uh, it's on VOD called Zero Days, and it's about cyber warfare. Right. And is that not the one a, with
1: Helen Mirren? No, no, this is oh, a documentary. Okay. Oh, okay. This is
2: a documentary. Um, and it's not about the future, it's about the present. It's mm-hmm. about the stuff that's actually happening. Yeah. And um it's a little bit Star Trekky. it's a little bit Taste of Armageddon, because it's like, did you hear about the, I mean, there was the Stuxnet worm, mm-hmm. right, with Iran? And then there was something called Zeus something Zeus. They actually called it Zeus something, and it was like, yeah, we can push a button. And it's 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 exactly like it's the reverse of Taste of Armageddon. Yeah. Taste of Armageddon is they push a button and people get killed, but numbers. the yeah. infrastructure doesn't die. With this, they push a button, they shut down the grid, mm-hmm. and the city falls apart. You know, and things called Zero Zeus or something like that. And it's it's focused. It's focused on Tehran. Yeah. And it's like they can push a button and just shut it all down, and um, people will survive. It's not like dropping because at first they go yeah, oh, well, it's good. Gonna, you're not yeah. dropping a bomb on Tehran. That's that's um, that is uh, you know humanitarian, and in a way, it is. But it's like, yeah, good luck getting in the hospital. You know, right. you, the
1: streets are locked down. Everything's or shut down. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a hacker conference that they call it, like a security, com- computer security conference. But it's a hacker conference right yeah. now. And they, I think it's going on right now because I saw a thing on the news, you know, where these people who are accomplished computer hackers are basically getting together to show whoever wants to listen how vulnerable yeah. Their technology is like, for example, the chip in your credit card. The vulnerabilities in the chip in your credit card. The vulnerabilities in your onboard computer in your car. Like where the, the two guys that took over the the car last year via the computer and yes cut yes. the engine yeah. and, all this. and they're showing they're showing companies. In fact, they forced Fiat to make a recall. Yeah. And so I mean, so this they're 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 just showing how we take for granted these this interconnected. It's dangerous
2: sci-fi stuff because a lot of things are connected, and at the time they were connected, it was like who would think that would be who would a problem? Think it would be a problem. So they connected. Nuclear power plants to the internet, and this is what happened with the Stuxnet mm-hmm. worm in Iran. They connected it to the internet just because it would be easier. They're like, "Oh yeah, we could send the email this way." It's like, no, you've connected yourself to this thing that can now, yeah. uh, you know, ruin everything. So uh, it's almost like you need to
1: hire a criminal. For every company. I feel like this is going to be... Somebody who's got a criminal past that can show you the worst things that people can do. This is going to be an episode yeah. of
2: Star Trek Discovery. I yeah. can tell. This is all going to be in there. Well, listen, I've taken up a lot of your time. I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about your work and Star Trek and a little bit about cyber cyberterrorism um, <laughs> and uh, continue to do the great things you're doing. I mean, you're you're, you're knocking it dead and you've got other things planned after uh, this one that's coming out in a month. You've probably... your neck deep I've, in yeah, your I'm, next one.
1: I've, written, I've already written the one that will come out after this one, and I'm working on the one that will come out after that. Can you tell us, is this all still? Oh, sure. Uh, I'm working on uh, a next-generation novel. Uh, right now, the continuity of the next generation is post-movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are several years removed from the events of the last film, Nemesis. Um, I have written, uh, last year I, I had a novel come out that was set uh, where the, ex- the Enterprise is sent on a new exploration initiative, so they're, they're long-term exploration. And so the novel I'm writing now is called Hearts and Minds, and it's the third next-gen book I've done in this sequence where they're exploring this heretofore unsurveyed area of space oh, okay. things are, you know exploring stranger worlds yeah. you know the, you know the what's what's it say in the opening narration <laughs> um, they're doing they're you know remember when we were explorers it's all about that it's getting back to that and it's and it's it's fun it's sort of like I like the big I like the big bold stories that the original series used to do where they find something really crazy out in space yeah or a planet that with some weird thing going on that they have to fix or yeah. try to leave better than they found it I like doing that sort of thing but there's a different way to tell that story with Picard in the gang yeah so it's, it's fun. It's kind of like a bet for, I hate to say this, but it's the best of both worlds. Right. So, <laughs> uh, and it's the gang is back together. It's
2: the, it's the crew that we know, because I know that in some of the, um, in the storylines, uh, Riker was on the Titan
1: mm-hmm. with, uh, with, with Troy, but they're back on the... No, yeah. this, is a, this is an evolution of, the, of, of the, char- the careers of these characters, the lives and careers. Uh, yeah. Right now, the only, the only members of the next generation on screencast that are on the Enterprise are Picard, Crusher, LaForge, and Worf. Uh, and so there's, we've had to introduce some new characters to fill the, the slots that were occupied by Data and Riker and Troy. And so for me, that's fun because I get to introduce new interpersonal dynamics. Yeah, I can have conversations with Picard and this young upstart lieutenant who's a nonconformist that I could never have with somebody like LaForge or Riker. Right, right, right. And right, so yeah. the relationships are much different, and to me, it sort of freshens things up a little bit. Because Next Generation without Picard... Is not next generation. Sure, it's no, to it's me. He's else. the yeah. face of that era of the franchise. Absolutely. So as long as he's, as long as I have anything to say about it, he's <laughs> Captain of the Enterprise. Right, right, right. Uh, not that I my weight, not that I have <laughs> any weight on this, but uh, they seem to be entertaining me for the moment. Right, right, right. Uh, but no, that's just how I feel about Picard. But but obviously Riker has gotten promoted. He's got his own command, as seen on film. So we have to honor that yeah. continuity. Yeah. Uh, but this is our way of, of of adjusting, adapting to what we've been, you know, what the screen gives us. Yeah. It's great that you're keeping these characters alive.
2: It really is. What, what are some of the, the most unexpected reactions you get from fans at these conventions? I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of, thank you, I love what you're doing, and sometimes you must get...
1: I don't, that, I don't get negative, uh, uh, I mean, I get negative reviews, I get bad reviews. Or I don't I get mean, I don't mean like negative, I mean like, uh, just, oh, I didn't realize that was going to be... Uh, I thought you were taller. I get a lot of that. Um, you know... Uh, I guess I get a lot of. Uh, you're the same way in, in in person that you are on social media. I guess they expect me to be different, in, oh, okay. uh, and I like. I try to be the same guy. I try to be the same person in, in real life that I am on Twitter. Yeah. So if, if I'm cracking jokes on Twitter, I'll crack that same joke somewhere in a bar. <laughs> awesome. Um, I, I I enjoy getting feedback at these conventions from fans who follow the books, and it's you know I, I haven't even sat down at the table, and I've been hit by people who recognize me yeah. and, and love the books and that's fun it's it's great to to do something that they take enjoyment from
2: great great i mean yeah you're you're can you know there'll never be another you know we're not gonna see these things I'm on films this is this is uh this is the the evolution
1: of those characters is I've been a fan books. for as long as I can remember I'm yeah. almost fifty and I've been a fan my entire life so for me this is just dream come true type work yeah. Cool.
2: All right, well, thanks again for stopping by, and I'm going to let you head back out to your uh, your table no, now. Thanks for
1: having me. I enjoyed it. Awesome.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody. This was another episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to tweet at me at @j_hoffman, Jay Hoffman. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like us. Just go around liking us. Just stroll the avenue, liking us all day long. You can reach out to me. Next week, we'll have Dominic and, and, and Connor. I'm sorry about my flub earlier. I could edit it out, but I choose not to because this is what makes me human you know i want to be relatable to my listeners so totally forgetting what i'm doing one week is uh (laughs) part of what makes me me all right uh we'll talk to you again soon and live long and prosper